Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. How many of you brought your Bibles with you? If you did, would you open them up to Philippians? That's a letter that Paul wrote to people that were Christians in the city of Philippi. And we're in a part of Scripture today that I title, How to Handle Difficult Situations. And as I reflected upon that, I thought about people who have had various difficult situations. There was a young man who grew up as a little boy, and all he wanted to do in life is he wanted to be one of those big 18-wheel truck drivers. You know what those big rigs are in the mainland? And so now he has taken all the lessons that he could. He's getting ready to receive his certified license to drive one of these big, huge 18-wheelers. So he's standing before the review board, and they asked him all sorts of questions. Now they were down to his very last question that they were going to ask him. And they said, if you answer this correctly, you'll be able to get your license and drive this big rig. And so he was excited. He felt confident he could answer that question. So here was the question. They said, here you are. You are driving a long-distance truck loaded with gasoline in the back, a tanker truck. And as you're driving down the road, you are now in a mountainous area there of Colorado. You look to the right, and there's nothing but sheer granite. You look a little bit to the left as you're going downhill, and all you see is a tremendous drop-off with no guardrail. You also see at the same time that there is another tanker truck in front of you that has braked and stopped and broken down, and it's loaded with gasoline. So then you realize you're going to put on your brakes to slow your truck down. You have no brakes. Sheer granite on the right, cliff on the left, a gasoline tanker truck in front of you. You can't stop. You're loaded with gasoline. What will you do? And remember, your answer to this question will determine whether or not you'll get a license to drive. He said, I know exactly what I would do. And they all said, what? He said, I would wake up Billy Bob, my relief driver, sleeping in the back. Now, why would you get him to, how could he help you? He couldn't help me one bit, but I'd wake him up and I'd tell him that he's about to see the biggest wreck he'll ever see in his entire life. (laughs) Well, all I can tell you that maybe this week you have felt like you were in some kind of a tanker truck and you had nowhere else to turn and you couldn't stop this and you felt like you were heading for a wreck. We might laugh about that story, but let me tell you some true stories because there are people that are seated around you and they have their own difficulty and these are just a few I heard about this week. Did you know that we've had one of our dear brothers in the hospital twice this week and had to have a procedure done on his heart? Think about that if it was your heart. And then I'm thinking about the person whose car broke down on the freeway in the middle of traffic. Can you think about what that was like? And I can only imagine because each one of us have faced our own set of difficulties this week. But now the big question is, It's not whether or not we'll have difficulties. I promise you that our week will have difficulties. The question is this. When they come, will you handle those difficulties with wisdom and with joy? And I pray that today that in some measure this message will fill you with so much wonderful biblical truth that as you face your difficulty, you can do it with a tremendous amount of joy that you could have in your life. See, we're not ever going to get rid of all of our problems, but when we have our problems, we could at least go through them with joy. I read somewhere that the word happiness came from an old English word, which is the word happenstance. And that word gives us the word happenings. And so now as I look at that, it's like happiness comes from happy happenings. 
But that's a whole lot different than the word joy. Joy is a different word. In fact, we also have our word enjoy. We enjoy this. Actually, that's coming from joy that's on the inside of us. And it becomes more internal, but also it can become eternal. Because when we're filled with the joy of God, then no matter what our circumstance might be, we can still face it with joy. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to laugh at our problems. Or we're going to deny that we have problems. It just means that those problems will not get us down, but we can still move forward with whatever problems that we have. So I got thinking, can a person truly no matter what they're facing, still handle it with joy? That's a good question. Can you, no matter how big that problem is, can you handle it with joy? I think I referred to this person last week, but for those of you who are our guests, I thought about a person who was faced with a tremendous heartache. The same day that his mother died, his wife died giving birth to their child. And that man was our president, Theodore Roosevelt, former president. Now, I wondered if he faced it with joy. We may never face that cataclysmic problem or difficulty, but we still can go through it with joy. Now, who did? Well, we already know from our study so far that the great Apostle Paul, he was faced with difficulties nearly every day, and those difficulties didn't go away. In fact, they seemed to exacerbate or amplify on a daily basis. Yet he's someone that had joy. So what I'd like to submit to you from this context of Scripture, not from psychobabble or some little outside principles, I want to share with you from God's Word four workable, applicable principles that we can use to help us when we face difficulties. And I'm going to hasten to say this. There could be some folks in this room right now that they've had a great week. They got a raise. Their kids are doing well at school. Things are going well for them. But just possibly... You're going to be facing something this week, and you need to get ready for it. And you know who I'm thinking about now? And so your world may not be that big, but I want you to be prepared so that you're ready to face it with joy. So here's number one. How can we face difficult situations with a joyful attitude? First of all, we have to discover a perspective to live by, a perspective to live by. Would you follow along as I read to you from what Paul, who is involved in his own difficulties, wrote to people to encourage them to have a perspective to live from? Here's what he says. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Well, I like that first phrase when he says at the beginning, he says, but I want you to know... You know that phrase when he says, I want you to know, is found no less than six times in the New Testament? It seems like Paul is like, a, a military, like an athletic coach, and he says, hey team, listen up. I want you to get what I'm about to say. And that's what Paul is doing to us right now. He's saying, don't let your mind wander with the outside distraction. He says, I want you to know this. So team, hey, 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 listen up. I want to show you how that you can have a perspective to live from that's right and how important this might be. Now, some of you might be so new to Scripture that you hear the name Paul, but you don't know what is this Paul guy in the Bible. Well, I don't have time to go through his whole life story of who he was and how important he was, but in the difficulties faced just surrounding this letter that he was writing to us here, listen to his difficulties that he was facing. He was known as the optimistic prisoner, and he said, or he had this, he experienced this, two years in a prison for false charges. Now, how many of you have ever been falsely accused of doing something or they piled on the accusations way beyond what was true? That happened to him. He was shipwrecked on the way to being judged. Then he spent 
time on a stranded island away from people except for a few natives and folks that were on the boat with him. While he was there, he was bitten by a poisonous snake. Now, those of you who are new to our island here, I guess you know by now that our island is blessed that we have no poisonous snakes in our island. How many of you have been hit by a centipede, though? Anybody get nicked by a centipede? I'll tell you, you don't like that. I imagine some of you, when you're out pulling the wood in the backyard, you're looking for centipedes. When you go camping, you lift open, look in your sleeping bag. No centipedes or, or spiders in there. But I want you to think, here's the Apostle Paul. He's accused of something he doesn't deserve. He's put in jail for two years. He's put on a ship. He's going to have to answer for it. He's stranded, can't get to conclusion to his problem, bitten by this snake. But that's not enough. Afterwards, he waits a whole winter in the cold. I like living in Hawaii because it's warm here. He didn't have that luxury. He was freezing cold. He tried to get warm by the fire. That's why the snake bit him. Then he spent another two years waiting so that he would finally find out whether or not he would be what? Not so much let free, but they had already assumed he would be executed. Now, in addition to all of that, while he was in jail, he was chained to guards. Strange men were chained to him, and those men changed every four hours he'd get a new set. Now, some of you, that's just facts in the Bible. But here's how I like to apply that. Some of you folks here, you are more quiet, and you're kind of passive. You're not kind of outgoing in people. And so you like to work on a task. How do you like to meet new people? Doesn't that kind of get you a little nervous when you have to go to someplace new? Maybe some of you are guests here for the first time, and you're a little nervous. What are they going to do? How's this going to happen right here? Well, think about the Apostle Paul. All these problems, and then every four hours, he's got to reconnect to a new, a yeah, little humor there, reconnect to a new guard on his being chained, making, making new friends. So he had a lot of difficulties going on in his life. Now, look back at the word here. Notice where it says, he says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. That word furtherance actually means that whatever's happened to me was for the purpose that the gospel would have progress. I know that some of you might be thinking that, okay, Stan's going to now tell me how I can go through a difficulty, what I should do, count to 10, read a book, remember a principle, say a meditated phrase or something. I'm not here about all of that. This passage is not going to go through all the different ways that you're to hold your breath, count to 10, think about happy thoughts, sing a melody, meditate. None of that's in there when you're going through a difficulty. What God does is he says, wait a second, I've allowed you to go through difficulties, here it is, because the difficulty is no longer about you. That difficulty is to provide for you an opportunity for you to do something bigger for me, which is to further the gospel. So, for those of you that have been going through some difficulties right now and they have not been removed, circumstances or maybe even people coming against you, the biggest question you have to ask is, is this for me now a lesson for me to further the gospel? Now, I cannot tell you how far you'll go with the gospel, whether you'll give the simple plan of salvation all the way to conclusion or whether you'll live such a separated life that people might be able to witness the gospel somewhat with you. But the point of the matter is, the purpose of it was that it would further the gospel. So ask yourself, in what measure can I now give the gospel? There's one great commentator that really stimulated my thinking when he said this. Wherever the Apostle Paul went, the gospel went. So when I think of you now, I'm thinking about you young people that are going to a school for the first time. Or you have a new class of kids. Some of those are your buds from last year, but now they're in this class, new teacher. And so you're going through some new circumstances. Maybe not so much difficulties, but circumstances. 
Since you've trusted Christ, you now have received Christ. You have received the gospel. So what you're going through right now is to help you to further the gospel. The teacher, the classmates, the school, that is because God placed you there sovereignly for the furtherance of the gospel. Those of you that are on your job and you've been redirected on your job, new boss, new subordinates, maybe a new office, maybe a new opportunity, whatever that might be that you're sensing, that is a difficulty, look at it as a furtherance of the gospel phrase. So the things that have happened unto you was a furtherance of the gospel. Go to the hospital, furtherance of the gospel. Car breaking down, furtherance of the gospel. A situation with a family member, how can the gospel be furthered? Once you're sensing this, then you're going to discover what's my perspective that I can live from, and that will help you out. Now, there's another phrase in here that might help you, and that is this. Did you know the way you handle your difficult situations will have an effect on unbelievers as well as believers? Look at the phrase and look back at the verse. It says this. These things have happened unto me for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Now, this is where it might separate your circumstance from Paul's. You might have been in the hospital because part of your body was breaking down. It wasn't necessarily because you gave the gospel and was beat up and now you're thrown in, in the hospital. Some of you, your car might have broken down, but it wasn't because of something the gospel was that you were giving and someone knocked you down because of that. Your circumstance could be just general circumstances of life. For the Apostle Paul, though, he was put in prison because he was speaking forth the mystery of the gospel, the simple plan of salvation. When that happened, they threw him in prison. So that's why he says here that the whole palace guard and all the rest knew that I was in chains in Christ, meaning because of Christ. Now, how we can apply that to our life is simple. While we might not have had our problems because of giving out the gospel, we can now take whatever our difficulties is and turn it around. Finish this phrase with me, will you? When life gives you lemons, what should we do? Make lemonade, all right? So when God allows difficulties to come into your life, in your mind, you're going to ask, how can I further Christ and kingdom work, particularly the gospel? Now, as I got thinking about it here, and he says, the, the palace guard knew about this, how, how did they get stronger know about Christ being in this? Well, I can only imagine that Paul was someone who would speak for Christ. So while he was speaking to his friends, to the guards, to those who would visit him, to the judge, and maybe when he spoke to the Lord in prayer, all those that were around him were hearing his God-centered conversation. Somehow God was going to come out because wherever you cut Paul, he would bleed the gospel. But that came from an inner spirit. So he said, I want to give my life to Christ. So all those around, the unbelievers, the palace guard heard that. So your difficulties, believe it or not, others are watching. Don't you think that those palace guards that were watching Paul, they also had to watch other prisoners? The other prisoners were in there because of stealing or killing or not paying their taxes or whatever other crime that they were doing. So those were just common criminals. Now, Paul, he did everything right. He wasn't in there for stealing or lying or cheating or killing or hurting or maiming or not paying his taxes. Paul was in there because he preached a message about this strange God called Christ. And now he's in there. So all these gods are saying, okay, let's, what is this? What guards are in there looking at Paul saying, what's this all about? And Paul is over here saying, it's okay. I'm here because of Christ. And now I want to tell you about how wonderful Christ is. I believe Paul had joy in his heart. You're going to see that in a few moments. So he was so full of joy, the guards are now watching him. So here's my question to you. 
Since we live our life not in a monastery or a bubble, we are going to have a lot of lost people that will interface with us. So here's, here's the simple question. How many of you definitely know that you have unsaved neighbors around your house? Those that don't know Christ, would you raise your hand? Okay, put them down. How many of you definitely know that you have unsaved, non-Christian people that work with you somewhere in your field of work or employment? Would you raise your hand? How many of you are reasonably sure that it's possible that at your school there would be unsaved or non-Christian kids around your school? Would you raise your hand? All right. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. When you go through the difficulty that the Lord has permitted to come into your life, and if you've chosen to surrender to His Lordship and use it as an opportunity to get the gospel out, then what's going to happen? That world is going to look at you to see how do you handle that circumstance? And so I hope that you see that we handle that circumstance with joy, but to further the gospel. Now, the next phrase is important, too. Look at this. He also says this, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having been become confident by my chains or by my difficulties. And now they're much more bold to speak the word without fear. So just as you're going to see the unsaved people look at you to see how are you handling your chains and you're using it to let them know that I don't care how bad my difficulty is, I still want you to know about Jesus Christ because he's the one that's going to deliver me from all my problems, either here or when I die. You also have on this side all those that are believers and they're watching you because they too will have their own set of difficulties that God has permitted to come into their lives. Who but only the Lord might know that you over here that go through the difficulties and you've chosen to further the gospel with joy, that they now will be encouraged just by your testimony. So here's another question for you. How many of you know that you have somewhere in your neighborhood a believer, someone who is a Christian just like you are, even though they may not go to this church? Would you raise your hand? Okay, they're watching you. All right, how many of you, where you work, you know that even where you work, there are some Christians, believers that you know by name, you see their face in your mind right now. Would you raise your hand? Okay, how many of you kids, where you go to school, even though there's a lot of unsaved kids there, you still know there are salt and peppered throughout the group, other believers. Would you raise your hand? All right, so I say that again for this. They're going to be watching you when you have a difficulty at home and you have a difficulty with your life. Whatever is happening, they're watching you and you can be strengthening them because you've decided not to compromise, that you've decided not to lower your flag because you now have a priority, that you now have a purpose, you have a now reason to live. God has a purpose behind every one of my problems. You might want to mark that down. God has a purpose behind every one of my problems. So you look at it from God's perspective. And so now you're saying, all right, God permitted this. He might have even prescribed this, but I know that this difficulty right here I can turn it around and use it for his glory. Let's look at number two. We need to determine a priority to live by. We learned about a perspective to live from. Now we're going to determine a priority to live by. Would you read this passage out loud with me? Everyone, read out loud together with me. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And here's the phrase. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Now, 
by knowing what's important in your life, what you have decided is a conviction in your life, that's going to help you to remain steady and strong when you're tossed about by difficulties. Those people that go up and down with the difficulties in their life, I often call them a ping-pong Christian. They go back and forth based on the difficulty that they have. But those that have finally decided that I've trusted Christ, He is the Lord of my life, and I am committed to making Him known to other people. When they go through those difficulties, their priority is already set. I know what I'm going to do with this. Now, there's also another interesting fact about this passage. In the first part of the passage of the last section we looked at, we were talking about difficulties. He was in these chains, and he was going through all these problems, and he had guards all next to him, etc. This passage is a little different. This passage is talking about people who kind of came against him. There were two sets of Christians. One were those who were self-ambitious probably, and what they thought is when they preached Christ, because it was all about them, that it would bring more harm to Paul. So they did it to bring harm to Paul and maybe lift themselves up. The second Christian group were those that were saying that I'm going to preach the gospel because I love Paul. Now, here's where I'm going with that thought. Some of you right now may be going through difficulties because people that you love turned against you. Maybe some of you are saying out there, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today, but I've had some Christian friends that have betrayed me. Maybe some of you are married and you had a mate that was a Christian that betrayed you and now you're seated here all alone, maybe even divorced. And so you felt that people have made decisions that have really hurt you. And so you get down because of those difficulties. Now, the one thing you don't want to do is to deny the fact that you've got problems. The second, you want to ask yourself, what part did I do to contribute having these problems? Maybe part of it's me. But the other thing that you can do is to realize is that there will be, in our life, just like in Paul's life, as good as Paul was, there still can be people that will come against you. So now the question, your difficulty is not coming from circumstances as much as it's coming from the people that have come against you. In the circumstances, Paul rejoiced. And in the people who came against him, he rejoiced as well. The bottom line was he was filled with the joy of the Lord when he faced those difficulties. So as you face your life full of difficulties that might have been brought on by Christians that have not been walking with the Lord, that have come against you to betray you or to bring more harm to you financially or relationally, I want you to still hold your head up high because the Bible says that we can still rejoice in what is happening. I thought about this as I went through this passage and I asked myself, what were three favorable results or benefits that Paul got out of having these people come against him? The first of all was this, when he preached the gospel, it cleared up for all the people that were around him that his life wasn't about Paul, but his life was about Christ. So when people come against you or circumstances are against you, then you're saying a loud statement to them, I don't care. You can't make it difficult for me because whatever you throw at me, I'm going to turn around and give glory to the Lord. I'm still going to shine with genuine joy and I'm going to further the gospel with this thing. So as you're looking at this, you're going to be a testimony to the outsiders that it's all about Christ no matter what happens and not about you and your pity party. The second I put down here for me is that most believers now could become encouraged because they can look at who's come against me. Let me tell you a story and I don't always win on my difficulties. Believe me, I have, a, I have, a, I have my own issues, as, as we all do. But many of you kind of remember a long time ago, maybe a year or so ago, we had an individual, uh, a man that we really wanted to minister to. 
He came here into our building after he was given what we call a no trespass warning because he broke into our building three times. We told him not to come on our property, but I'll speak with him on our sidewalk anytime he wants because I really was willing to keep a door of opportunity of ministry open to him. That morning on Sunday, many of you were here and you'll remember the story. He showed up, but he didn't just show up on our property. He was with our children in one of our rooms and he was banging on the piano and making all sorts of statements that were bizarre. And so obviously I was immediately called and I grabbed a couple of, so if this guy wanted to take a poke at me, I could hide behind Jeff. And as this all happened, this man was screaming at me up on the third floor, banging the phone down. And for that moment, I can only tell you there was an overwhelming sense of God's peace in my mind. I did not fear for my life. I did not fear what I was going to do next. I just knew that I had to speak as little as possible to this person so I would not inflame him anymore. And secondly, I remember the verse, Spirit brought it back, that said, a soft answer turns away wrath. So I lowered my voice, spoke slower, and was calm and quiet around this individual. Later that morning, he was found hiding in Carol's office, and the police did have to take him away for the protection of our people, and this story goes on and on. The testimony, though, was that there was a couple people that saw what went on through this bit of affliction, because this person was cursing at me and just saying all manner of ugliness. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.